0: Todd's Road Campus near the Hamburg area of Lexington. We're in our final week of this series that has been going on for ages. uh, The rejection of the Messiah. Uh, And it's really picked up in the last few weeks. Last week, uh, the, uh, the kind of assistants to the Pharisees joined together with the Herodians and they came after Jesus. They came and tried to get him trapped up in this question of taxes uh, can you pay them or can you not? Should you flee from these things or can you lean into the government? And Jesus trips them up with this great answer of rendering to Caesar what is Caesar's and to the Lord what is the Lord's. And they are astonished and they go away that he can at the same time uh, kind of allow both these things to exist. Uh, the text in between we don't actually preach from, but it's an important text because it's this next round of questioning. The Pharisees' assistants have come, the Herodians have come, and now the Sadducees come to try to trip up Jesus. The Sadducees uh, are a distinct party, separate from the Pharisees. The Sadducees are uh, probably the religious elite, they're, they're clergy, uh, who don't think the resurrection is a real thing. And so they come, they're going to they're trip up Jesus. Jesus, the law says that uh, if, you marry, uh, if a woman marries a man and her brother dies, the, or her husband dies, the, the man's brother is to marry her. Well, what if that brother dies and the next brother dies and she's married five brothers and when we are resurrected, whose wife will she be? And Jesus is like, you have missed the whole picture. The resurrection is not the least bit about this. Let me tell you what it's really about. It is going to relativize even the most amazing parts of your human existence. That the real thing about the resurrection is that we're going to be in the presence of God. And... You're sitting here worried about what's going to happen then. Let me tell you, I'm worried about what's going to happen now. And the Sadducees leave speechless. Which then sets up today's text where it says, the Pharisees themselves finally come to question Jesus. They'd sent their assistants two stories before. Now they decide, okay, it's not enough for the junior junior whatever to come. It's time for us to come and get him. And not only are we going to come, we're going to bring our Namikas, our lawyers, our legal experts. This is like me going to a pastor's group and saying, hey, by the way, I brought Bill Arnold and Ben Witherington with me. We're going to come after you. The legal experts, the, the Pharisees come and they say, all right, teacher, rabbi, we have a question for you. What is the greatest commandment? 611 laws or 613 depending on how you understand the Shema and the introduction to the Ten Commandments. We either have 611 or 613 and they ask Jesus to pick the most important or the greatest or the best or however you want to think about it and Jesus doesn't blink. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Hmm. Hmm. For us, this is just a nice little catchphrase coming out of this passage, right? It's the greatest commandment. Love your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. But for them, this is ah. Remember where that's from? This is from Deuteronomy. This is from where Moses is nearing the end of his life. This is from where he's beginning to recount to Israel the whole story of their move from, from slavery in Egypt to Hopefully, freedom in the land. They're on the cusp of entry. The, the first generation is dying off, and Moses is elderly and struggling. And so he begins to recount the story and tell them, uh, this is how we left Egypt. And here are the Ten Commandments. Now let me tell you, these are commandments The regulations and the case laws that Yahweh your God commanded me to teach you to follow in the land that you're entering to possess. So that you will fear the Lord your God by keeping all his regulations and his commandments that I am commanding you. Both you and your sons and daughters all the days of your life so that you will lengthen your life. Listen to them Israel. Follow them carefully so that the things will go well for you. And so that you will continue to multiply exactly as Yahweh your ancestors God promised you in a land Full of milk and honey. Shema Israel, Adonai Eloheno, Adonai Ahad. Here, O Israel, our God is Lord. Our God is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your being and all your strength. These words that I'm commanding you today must always be on your minds. Recite them to your children. Talk about them when you are sitting around your home and when you are out and about, when you are lying down and when you are getting up. Tie them on your hand as a sign. They should be on your forehead as a symbol. Write them on your house's door frames and on your city's gate. Now, once the Lord your God has brought you out of the land that he swore to your ancestors, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give to you a land that will be full of large and wonderful towns that you didn't build, houses stocked with all kinds of goods you didn't stock, cisterns that you didn't make, vineyards and olive trees that you didn't plant, and you eat and get stuffed. Watch yourself. Don't forget Yahweh who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land house of slavery. Revere Yahweh your God. Serve him and take your oaths in his name. Don't follow other gods, those gods of the people around you, because Yahweh your God who is your God, who is with you and among you, is a passionate God. Yahweh. Yahweh, your God's anger, will burn against you and he will wipe you off the fertile land. Don't test Yahweh, your God, the way you frustrated him at Messiah. You must carefully follow the Lord, your God's commands, along with the laws and regulations he has given you. Do what is right and good in Yahweh's sight so that things will go well for you, so that you may enter the land and take possession of the wonderful land that he swore to your ancestors, and so that Yahweh will drive out all your enemies from before you just as he had promised. We hear, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul. Part of the great commandment. They hear the foundational telling of what it means to be Israel. This Deuteronomy 6.4. Shema Israel Adonai Eloheinu Adonai Ahad. Hear, O Israel, our Lord, our God, our Lord is one. This is in every bit of Israel's liturgy. It's in every story they're going to recount. It's in every callback. If you look at uh, faithful, very observant Jews today, you'll see them literally bind the law upon their wrists and upon their forehead. You'll see it written above their door frames from this passage. This call to, to see that Yahweh is God. And not just is a God, but he is their God. The God who had brought them out of Egypt, the God who had demonstrated that he was faithful across the wilderness and who now was going to bring them into the land. Tell these stories to your children. Talk about them when you gather. Love the Lord your God with all your heart with all your soul, and with all your strength. This would be a perfectly acceptable answer for what is the greatest commandment. Probably, uh, probably the expected answer for what is the greatest commandment. But Jesus, Jesus doesn't stop there. As if to say, you can't sum up the law in one commandment. The second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. For us, we hear the second part of the great commandment. Love your neighbor as yourself. And we think, oh, that's wonderful. We should love them, right? Oh, that's sweet. They hear, the Lord said to Moses, say to the whole community of the Israelites, you must be holy because I, Yahweh your God, am holy Each of you must respect your mother and father. You must keep my Sabbath. I am Yahweh your God. Do not turn idols or make gods of cast metal for yourselves. I am Yahweh your God. He talks a little bit about sacrifices and then goes to say, when you harvest your land's produce, you must not harvest all the way to the edge of your field and don't gather up every remaining bit of the harvest and do not pick your vineyard clean or gather up all the grapes that have fallen. Leave these items for the poor and the immigrant. I am Yahweh, your God. You must not steal nor deceive nor lie to each other. You must not swear falsely by my name, desecrating your God's name and doing so. I am Yahweh. You must not oppress your neighbors or rob them. Do not withhold a hired labor's pay overnight. You must not insult a deaf person or put some obstacle in front of a blind person that would cause them to trip. Instead, fear your God. I am Yahweh. You must must not act unjustly in a legal case. Do not show favoritism to the poor or deference to the great. You must judge your fellow Israelites fairly. Do not go around slandering people. Do not stand by while your neighbor's blood is shed. I am Yahweh. Do not hate your fellow Israelite in your heart. Rebuke your fellow Israelite strongly so that you don't become responsible for his sin. You must not take revenge nor hold a grudge against any of your people. Instead, you must love your neighbor as yourself. I am Yahweh. There's nothing in this passage about sentimental hallmark love. There isn't this distinction of the Greek versions of love. This is an embodied love that looks like leaving things in your field so that the immigrant has food to eat. This looks like making sure that there is justice in the courtroom. This looks like confronting when you are being wrong. This looks like loving your neighbor as yourself because Yahweh is your God. This doesn't look like Oh, well, I don't like them, but I love them. I've said those words myself. It looks like I want the best for even the worst. I want flourishing for the other, no matter if they're from those nations, which we're supposed to be terrified of. This is the landscape of Israel setting that they are wandering into a new place where they are terrified of people and Yahweh doesn't say, hate them. Love the neighbor as yourself. I am Yahweh. And Jesus says all of the law and prophets hang on these. If you let me pick two I can tell you the greatest. It's love your Lord your God with all your heart, mind and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. The whole of the law and prophets hang on these. This is always the problem isn't it? We see it As the law is recounted, we see it as they wander in the desert. We see it in the prophets that either people forsake their love of God or they don't really know how to love each other. In Isaiah, we read where he says, I'm sick of your offerings. You keep bringing these offerings and you trample on one another. In Ezekiel, I'm sick of the way you bring these other gods into my temple. The prophets never critique them for getting the 613 other commandments wrong, right? Or the 611 other commandments wrong. It's not a critique of this way that you didn't wash your hands after you did this thing. Or it's not a critique of even sex or murder. It's a critique that they failed to love their God and to love their neighbor. All of the law and prophet hangs on these. If you understand that this is the rudeness of what it means to be Yahweh's people, you'll understand the law and the prophets. Before they can respond, he says, now I've got a question for you. Whose son is the Messiah supposed to be? And they say, well, David's, of course. And he quickly goes to the Psalms, which they ascribe to David and says, well, well." how do you deal with this? The Lord said to my Lord, I'll sit at your right hand until he comes in victory. And how can David say that he's Lord if it's to be David's son? And in this great world of philosophy, which I don't understand and hate, but which Jesus has pulled off naturally, he says, you have a logic problem. And they're astonished. They have not grasped the magnitude of how Yahweh was going to enter into time and space through Yahweh's anointed through the Christ of Israel's hope to transform the world. And it says, from that day forward, no one questioned Jesus. This tension of loving God and loving neighbor didn't end when Jesus gave this commandment. It is the tension that exists today. If you listen to the news media, the religious right love God and the liberal left love people. If you listen to United Methodist politics, the traditionalists are holy, and the progressives love people and justice. Jesus says you can't separate the two. If you do, it is malarkey. You are setting, you are setting up a foundation made of sand. I can't give you one commandment, but I can give you two: love your God with all your heart, soul, body, and strength, and love your neighbor. The tradition has called this sola sanctus caritas, only holy love. A love that believes that we can be holy people because we worship a holy God, and that believes that we can love with our whole being the entirety of humanity only holy love. I have no interest in being part of a church that just loves God really good or that just loves its neighbor really good. I have a lot of interest in being a part of a church that believes in holy love. Love that is full and robust, love of neighbor that is rooted in love of God, the same God who delivered Israel from slavery and from captivity, the same God who took on flesh in Christ, and the same God who invites us to be holy people. Friends, when when we let the two be separate things, what we get is more fracturing You see it through church history that whenever we decide we're going to move apart from each other, the right becomes more fundamentalist and the left becomes more heretical. Friends, we need holy love to hold us together as faithful disciples of Jesus Christ, ones who can go and show the world his face and announce the kingdom of heaven was at hand. The Pharisees are bamboozled by this because they cannot fathom what this holistic, fully embodied love of God looks like. Frankly, the disciples don't get it either. It takes the spirit being shed abroad on them and God's grace being poured out for them to begin to do it, and they still don't get it right. Right? The early churches messed this up. If you struggle with occasionally not loving your God well, and even more if you struggle with loving your neighbor well, you are not the first. Paul was dealing with this in every one of his letters. No, you actually have to care for one another. No, you actually have to give to the Macedonians. You have to care about the hungry Jerusalemites. Ask God's Spirit. Corinthians, Philippians, Galatians, church at Thessalonica, and God will pour his spirit out on you and help you to love him and to love your neighbor. Sola sanctus caritas. Only holy love left to our own devices, we're going to fail at that every time. But through the love of God shed abroad in our hearts and through the the grace of God poured out upon us, we have every possibility of being made perfect in love. It's my prayer at every morning prayer when we close. Lord, pour out your Holy Spirit upon us and pour out your grace upon us that we might be be made perfect in love, that we might love you with our whole heart and that we might love our neighbors, ourselves, that in and through us the world might see your face. This is our tradition's gift to the world, and it's a gift that I miss most of my life. I either lived in the land of love God or love your neighbors, and they were both anemic and disappointing. But, friends, if we can truly understand, and even more, if we can truly embody holy love, man, the world will come after it. The world doesn't know how to be loved. They don't know how to even respond. And quite frankly, most of us don't. Let's invite God to pour out his grace upon us in the everyday, ordinary ways in which God does in worship, in engaging scriptures, in prayer and fasting, and in coming to the Lord's table. These everyday channels of God's grace that enable us to be a holy people, a people filled with holy love, a people who love. God, with the whole of our being, and then love humanity. Friends, it's my prayer every day. It's my prayer for me, and it's my prayer for you. I pray that God's grace will meet us at this table in powerful ways, that even today we are transformed more fully into his image.